Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. Let's join in for this week's message. We've been doing this series the last few weeks called Favor, so everybody say favor. Come on. Favor. And what we've been doing is we've been talking about God's favor. What does it look like to live under the favor of God in our lives? Can we have his favor resting upon us? And really, this whole idea of favor really is the main central theme of the Christmas story. That in this series, we haven't just directly talked about the Christmas story, but really the overarching theme of the whole Christmas story is this idea of God's favor. And here's what we have to understand about the Christmas story is that the Christmas story didn't actually start in a, in a stable or with a manger. It actually started way back hundreds of years before that in a garden. And it didn't start with with Mary and Joseph. It actually started with a couple, the very first couple on this earth, Adam and Eve. How many remember their story, Adam and Eve? Adam and Eve, that God created Adam and he created Eve and he placed them in a perfect place in the garden with his favor upon their life that every day he would come down and walk with them and they would commune together and they would fellowship together. But we know what happened. The serpent came and began to tempt and sin entered into the world and man fell out of God's favor. And they had to reap the consequences of their sin. And from that moment, that was actually the beginning of the Christmas story. Because from that moment, God has been doing everything that he can to bring us back into favor with him. In fact, John wrote about this in this very famous verse. We probably all know it today. John 3.16. How many know John 3.16? Come on, if you know it, why don't you just say it aloud with me. That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You know, that verse right there sums up the whole Christmas story. That God loved us so much that even though we had fallen out of his favor, that even though we had sinned, that he would do whatever it takes to bring us back into favor with him, even if it meant giving his very own son to give his life for us. That's what the Christmas story is all about. That's what we celebrate today. That's what we're going to celebrate next Saturday and Sunday. That's what you are celebrating whenever you gather around the tree and you sing the songs and you open the gifts, you celebrate the greatest gift of all. And that is the gift of God's favor for us. That God's son coming and living and dying means that we can be brought back into favor with God. And what an incredible concept. What what an amazing idea that God would love us so much that he would want to do whatever it takes for us to be right with him. And that's what we've been studying in this series. What does it look like to be in the favor of God? And we kind of had kind of this working definition of this word favor. How many remember what it is? If you remember it, say it out loud with me. Favor is God doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. Like three people remembered it. All right. Favor is God doing for you, God doing for me 
what we could never do for ourselves. And really, isn't that what Christmas is all about? That we could never make ourselves right with God, but God did it for us and and he did it through his son. And I think in that little, even in that little definition, like we get an idea of what it's, what it really is all about, that God is for us. And that's what I want to talk about just for a little bit today. What I want to do is I want to look at like one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. It's found in Romans chapter 8. So if you have your Bibles or if you have your Bible app or your LifeGate app, you can go ahead and open it there. And we're going to start with verse 31 in just, in just a minute. And in this, in this chapter, what we're going to do is we're going to break it down a little bit and talk about what does it mean to have God's favor? What does it mean that God really is for us? And before we read this kind of key verse from the chapter today. I want to pose a question to you just a little bit. I want to make you think for just a little bit today. What if today, what if in your life, no matter what happened to you in the end, it all turned out good? Like, think about this for just a second. Like, like I want you to go there. What if, no matter what anybody did, no matter what you did, no matter what happened in the world around you, in the end, the end result would be for your good. What would you attempt if you knew that that was going to be that way? What would you dream? What would you, what would you try? Who would you serve? How would you give? Like, how would you live your life if you knew that whatever I dreamed, whatever I tried, whatever I attempted, that nothing could stop it from happening, that I would be successful in that? How many got something in your mind? I I got something in my mind. What would you do if you knew it would all be good in the end? Now I want us to read this verse together. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Everybody read it aloud on the count of three. One, two, three. If God is for us, who can be against us? Man, that thing that you thought in your mind, man, if I knew that it wouldn't fail, that's what I would do. If I knew that it would all work out no matter what happened, then I would would live that way. That thing, here's what this verse tells us, that that thing is possible. That nothing can come against you. That if God is truly for you, if you truly have his favor upon your life, then nothing that anybody says and nothing that anybody does and nothing that happens in your life that you have no control over, nothing that happens in your life that maybe was even your own sin or your own mistake, that none of those things can stop you from what God has for you because God is for you. That even when everything else comes against you, the truth is today, God is for you. You know, I think we, we, we get this, I think maybe intellectually, especially those of us that are Christians, I think in our mind we get this idea that God is for us. But I think sometimes we don't really like, really believe it in our hearts. I mean, you, you know, you think about this idea of God being for you, and it's not really the first image that comes in our mind sometimes when we think about God. I mean, for some of us, especially, especially if you grew up in church all your life, maybe the kind of church that I grew up in, sometimes when you think about God and get this image of God, like, like it's more of the image of like this mean guy up in the sky with lightning bolts waiting for you to mess up so that the, he can zap you. I mean, you know what I'm saying? And, and we don't get this real idea that, wait a minute, God is actually on my side. Like God is actually 
really for me. In fact, some of us think, you know, I know that God is good and maybe, you know, maybe he's for other people, but I'm not really sure like he would work for me in my life. Or maybe some of us even think, you know, I know that God is great and I know he can do great things, but I'm not sure if he will do them in my life or that, that, that maybe he's not so good because if he really is good, then why would he allow the things that he allows on this earth? And why, why did he allow me to go through the struggle that I'm going? Like if he's really good, then why did I lose my job? Or if he's really good, then, you know, why did my, why did my loved one get cancer and get sick? Or, or why did my parents go through that divorce? Or why did we struggle with infertility or whatever the struggle might be in your life? And many times we look at God and we go, I know that God is for me. I know that he is good. But all the things that I see around me seem to tell a different story. Like if he's really good then why is there so much against me? If God is for me, then why is there so much in this world that is against me? And here's what we need to understand. As we read through Romans chapter 8, here's what we're going to understand is that God's favor doesn't mean that nothing will come against you. It just means that even when things are against you, that nothing can stop you because God is for you. In fact, I want us to break down Romans chapter 8 for just a few minutes this morning. I want us to see three things that happen when we have the favor of God. Three things that happen because God is for us. If you're taking notes, you can write this first one down. And that is this, that if God is for us and because God is for us, our past can't condemn us. In fact, there, there's some you, you need to hear this this morning. So I'm going to speak just gently for just a second. I'm just going to tell you. No matter what you've done, no matter the sin or the failures or the mistakes of your past, let me just tell you something. God loves you. Like you need to let that sink in for just a minute. Like God is for you. He is on your side. And some of you go, well, but pastor, you you don't know what I did. Maybe God's for you. Like you're, you're pastor man, you know, and you got that nice little pastor job and you, you know, you do all the, you all do all the right stuff, but you don't know what I've done and you don't know what my life, you don't know my sin and my mistakes and my past. But I want you to see what Paul says in Romans chapter eight and verse one. Look what he says. He says, for there is now what everybody say it out loud. There is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you. Come on, listen to this. From the power of sin that leads to death. And the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God, look at this. This is the definition of favor. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like bodies that we have as sinners. Here's what he's saying. The favor of God means this, that if God is for me, that no matter what I have done, that if I belong to Christ Jesus, that no matter what has happened in my past, it cannot condemn me because God did for me what I could never do for myself. Now this doesn't nullify the payment or the penalty, the consequences of sin. How many know sin has consequences? And the Bible says in Romans 3.23 that we've all sinned. Come on, I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. Everybody just look at your neighbor. Tell them you're a sinner. Sinner. I am. You are. We all are. All have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says it like this. And the wages of sin 
The penalty, the payment of sin is what? Is death. Let that sink in for just a minute. If that was the end of that verse, that would be the worst verse in all of the Bible. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. And the payment of your sin, of my sin, is death. But that's not where the verse ends. There's another word that comes right after that. It's the word but. Everybody say but. The payment of sin, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. You talk about favor. That's what favor means. That I'm a sinner and you're a sinner. That we all fall short. But God, God butted into our situation. Come on, you see what I did right there. That's pretty good. Everybody look at your neighbor and tell them, that's a big butt, y'all. That's a big butt. Come on, I'll just keep the pastor jokes coming. If y'all don't laugh, they just keep on coming. And here's the deal. That there is no condemnation. Like, here's the thing. This is what favor means. That even though I'm a sinner, that if I belong to Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation for my sin. That I'm a sinner, but God came into my life and he showed his favor. He sent his son so that I could return to right relationship with him. That I could get back into his favor. Some of you say, but pastor, like, I don't feel that. Like, I know all the stuff I did, and I still feel like this condemnation down inside for what I've done and what I looked at and how I lived and what I said and how I hurt people. And it just seems like the enemy just keeps kind of bringing it up over and over and over. And here's what I want to tell you. Every time the enemy reminds you of what you have done, you just remind him of who you are and whose you are. You belong to Christ Jesus. And there's no condemnation. Kind of reminds me of a story I heard one time. A friend of mine who's a, a pastor's kid just like me. Us pastor's kids, we got to hang out together. You know what I'm saying? And so he tells this story about when he was, he was literally, you know, go to the nursery, kind of like Easton. He's three, so now he goes to the nursery. And you know how pastor's kids can be? I mean, they kind of get to the point where it's kind of like, you know, dad's the pastor and I own the church. You know what I'm saying? And so this is kind of the attitude my friend Dallas he had. And so one, one, one Sunday he went into the nursery and he was kind of acting up kind of like pastor's kids kind of do sometimes. And, and uh, not my pastor's kids, but me when I was a pastor's kid. And, and so he's kind of acting up and he's kind of getting in trouble. And so the nursery worker decides she's going she's gonna to put him in, in time out. And so she kind of starts getting on to him, getting ready to put him into time out. And he just looked at the nursery worker and said, obviously, you don't know who my daddy is. <laughs> And here's the deal, guys. When the enemy tries to remind you of what you've done, you remind them of who you are. You remind them of whose you are. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Because of God's favor, there is no condemnation for my past. My past can't condemn me. Number two, write this one down. Because God is for me, because of his favor, check this out, my pain can't harm me. Now, I want you to notice this. Doesn't mean I won't have pain. God's favor doesn't mean there won't be painful times in my life. And it doesn't mean those times won't feel painful. They still do, right? But here's what it means. It means that even when I face struggles and hardship and pain, that ultimately it cannot harm me. Because God is for me. 
In fact, I'd love to be able to hear and stand up here today and tell you, you know, you give your life to Jesus. You raise your hand at the end. We say a prayer. And from that moment on, you'll never have any pain, never have any struggle. Everything will be great and wonderful from that point on. But I can't tell you that. (laughs) You know why? Because one day I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to give account for what I said. And here's what I got to tell you. The truth is this life is painful. And if I were to tell you, you give your life to Jesus, you won't have any more pain. You know what's going to happen? You're going to give your life to Jesus. You're going to walk out those doors and you're going to have some pain and some struggles because that's what happens in life. And you know what you're going to think? You're going to think one of about three things. You're going to think either God's not good or I did something wrong or that pastor is a liar because I got some pain in my life. And I can't tell you that there won't be pain and struggle. But I can give you some good news. How many like good news? The good news is this, is if you, are belong, if you belong to Christ, if God is for you, the good news is, yes, you will have pain, but eventually that pain will be for your gain. That God will actually use it for your good. In fact, this is what Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 8 and verse 16. Look what he says. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs and heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his what? In his sufferings in order that we may also share in his what? In his glory. And I consider our present sufferings are worth nothing compared. Like he says, what we're going through now, the pain we have right now does not even compare to the glory that God is going to bring in our lives. What is he saying? There will be pain, but that pain... It might hurt, but it cannot harm that God can actually use it to help you. That what you're going through right now is nothing compared to the great things that he has planned for you. That you might have to suffer with Christ. But if you suffer with Christ, you will also share in the glory of Christ in your life. That's what the favor of God means. And some of you right now, man, you're facing some painful situations. Some of it's because of things that have been done to you. Some of it's because you did the right thing and it caused you pain. Some of it's because you did the wrong thing and it caused struggle. Some of it's just because we live in a world that is, that is broken and is sinful and is filled with hurt. And Jesus said like this, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. My favor is on you. I already overcame any trouble that might come in your life. If God is for us. Man, my past can't condemn me. If God is for me, then guess what? That means my pain can't ultimately harm me. Number three, write this down. If God is for me, here's what it means. It means that my problems can't stop me. Now, now how many of you, let's just do a little survey here today. How many of you got some problems? Come on, raise your hand. I, let's just look around. I think that's about 100%, right? I mean, everybody look at your neighbor and tell them, you got problems, man. We do, right? <laughs> We all have problems. We all have struggles. We all have bad days. In fact, I came across this. I thought it was funny. I'd share it with you. Signs you might be having a bad day. All right? If everybody is laughing but you, you might be having a bad day. If it takes three hours to make minute rice, you might be having a bad day. Come on, that's funny right there. If people, I like this one. If people give you the senior citizen's discount and you're only 37, you might have problems, y'all. If people send your wife sympathy cards on your anniversary, you might, oh, you might be having problems. If the bird singing outside your window is a vulture, you might 
you might be having a bad day. If the bride's family throws rocks instead of rice, you might be having a bad day. If you call 911 and they put you on hold, you might be having a bad day. If you call your wife and tell her you would like to eat out tonight and when you get home, the sandwich is on the front porch, you might be having, you might be having a bad day. How I many? we all have them. I think maybe nobody had as many bad days as the Apostle Paul. In fact, Paul writes about how God is for us in Romans chapter 8. But in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he actually tells us about a, like a list of all the problems that he had. Check it out in verse number 23. He says, I've worked harder. I've been put in prison more often. I've been whipped times without number and faced death again, uh, faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. And I'm not talking about recreationally, y'all. Come on, I got the jokes. They just keep on coming. I heard, I heard about one lady that was reading this verse. And when she got to that point, she was like, he went through a whole lot. At least he got a little relief. Oh, man, that was, that was bad. That was bad. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I was, I was put a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I, was, I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities and in the, in the deserts and in the, on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have, not, and have gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm and then besides all this I carry around the daily burden of my concern from all of the churches how many know that Paul faced some problems and on top of all of these physical problems that he lists here not only that he had some emotional and mental and spiritual issues that he faced when he said I got a thorn in my flesh and I've asked God three times to take it away and I'm still carrying it around if anybody had a right to just say, man, I'm done with this. I give up. It was, it was Paul. But I want you to notice his perspective on the problems that he had. Look what he says about it in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16. He says, therefore, I do not lose heart. Though outwardly I'm wasting away, yet inwardly I am being renewed day by day for my, look at these words, for my light and momentary troubles. That list I just read didn't sound very light. Didn't sound very momentary. But what does he do? Listen to the perspective. I got all these problems, but I can look at it like this. Like, those aren't nothing. Those are light. Those are momentary. Because here's what's happening. They are achieving for me a glory that far outweighs them all. Here's what he says. My problems, though they are many, because God is for me, they cannot stop me. They will actually even advance me forward into what God has for my life. In fact, this is what Paul writes in Romans chapter 8. One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Verse 28. He says, and we know that all things. Everybody say all things. All things. things Work together for good. For those that love him and are called according to his part. Because God is for me. And no matter what happens to me. It'll work together for my good. None of that stuff sounded good. Shipwrecks, being, having stones thrown at you. I mean, all the stuff that he faced. But you know what he said? He said, all of it together is like light, momentary. 
Because here's what I know. It's accomplishing something in my life that even whatever the enemy throws at me, you know what's going to happen? God's going to turn it around and he's going to use it for my good. Oh, I may experience a pain and it may be a struggle and a problem in the middle of it. But if I know that I belong to him, that he is for me, he will use it and work it for my good. So you say, Pastor, like, how do I live in this kind of favor that you're talking about, Pastor? Well, I want you to notice two things real quick to take away today. The first one is simply this. You just got to receive it. Everybody say receive it. You just receive God's forgiveness. Some of you are here today. And the truth of the matter is you're thinking, man, I, God can't be for me because of all that I have done. And here's what I got to tell you, that God loves you and he is working for you. And all you got to do is receive his love. There's no condemnation. For those that belong to Christ Jesus. Now, let me, just, let me just tell you. If you don't belong to Christ Jesus, there's condemnation. There's consequences for the sin. But there's a, there's a solution to that. All you got to do is belong to Him. And all you have to do to belong to Him is just receive what He's done through His Son. That's what this season is all about. That we're sinners. We deserve to die. God loved us and He sent His Son. So that we wouldn't have to receive that condemnation. We could receive his forgiveness. And today there's going to be an opportunity for you to do that at the end of this service. Some of you are here and you say, I know I'm following Jesus. But man, I just can't seem to get past the stuff. And there's just the guilt. And here's what I just tell you. Receive his forgiveness today. There is no condemnation for you if you belong to Christ Jesus. Receive it. Number two, write this down. Just rest. Everybody say rest. Just rest in his love. You know, some of us, I think we strive so hard to try to be, to try to be something. Like, I got to measure up to, you know, I mean, I can't seem to get my parents to, you know, to be proud of me. Or I can't get my boss to be proud of me. Or I can't, I want, you know, I want everybody to like me. And I think sometimes that even carries over into our relationship with God that we think, man, I got to somehow strive to this place to be this certain thing so I can get to this place where God will love me. And here's what I got to tell you. Like, God already loves you just the way you are. He doesn't love your sin, but he loves you. And all you got to do is rest. Rest in it. In fact, this is what Paul was trying to get us to see in Romans chapter 8. Man, I love this part of this chapter where he says in verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Verse 37, no. Even all of these things, even in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who did what? He loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. We can rest in the fact today that nothing that happens in our lives, that nothing that anybody else does, that nothing that we do, that nothing that happens to us in our life can keep us and can separate us from the love of God. God loves us. Even when we do wrong, he still loves us. And he's still calling us back to right 
relationship with him. God loves us even when others do wrong. Oh, God, if God loved me, then why would he allow that person to hurt me or say the thing or or whatever that happened? And I don't understand all of that, but here's what I understand. People might disappoint you, but God will never disappoint you. You just rest in his love that he has for you. God loves us even when things go wrong. And I love the way it says it in Romans 8 and verse 35. Does it mean he no longer loves us? If we have trouble or calamity or persecution or hunger or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours. Our Lord Jesus Christ. See, that's the story of Christmas. It's the story of man, you and me, who fell out of God's favor. And God's deep desire to come to a place where we could once again be in his favor. That's what grace is. The unmerited favor of God that I don't deserve it. But he gave it to me anyway. That God is for me even when everything else is against me. 